With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, fellow animal folks, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I'm always so happy to know you've joined us. I have a couple of great guests today. First, Barbara Krauss from the Parrot Rescue and Adoption Center will be checking in and giving some tips for living with our avian friends. Then, after our halftime break, Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates has some great advice about urban wildlife. A lot of fun and education is coming right up on this week's edition of the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very happy to welcome back to the show, Barbara Krauss from the Parrot Education and Adoption Center. Thanks for making the trek all the way here today. Oh, you're welcome, Marie. Thanks for having me back. Well, I'm always excited to have you on the show because, as you know, I have a parrot at home, and, mm-hmm. and he's he's my little buddy and, and my best friend and my son and everything else rolled into one, but, but he's definitely a troublemaker, and, <laughs> and I like getting your advice of ask you questions that seem real general but really they boils down to this will help me with Petey. Mm-hmm. Well <laughs> parrots as you have obviously know are so intelligent very long-lived creatures and um, they're a lot of work you know they're a very huge commitment and um, the biggest part of what uh, peace does is educate people on how to successfully live with parrots in their homes Okay. Um, and the, the second and smaller part of what we do is to take in unwanted parrots and foster them in volunteer homes and then find hopefully permanent adoptive wow. homes for them. How many birds do you figure you have in foster care right now, roughly? Um, at the moment, we're a small organization. At the moment, we have seven um, birds in, in oh, foster volunteer homes. And, um, and how do you place them? Do you have a website where there's information about the adoptables? That we do. Can look um, at? Our website is www.peac, like Parrot Education Adoption Center, dot org. Okay. Um, and you can find out all the details of the adoption process. We do require that people come to uh, certain classes so they can learn how to care, oh. f- you know, correctly care for a parrot and be successful in establishing that relationship. everybody had to take a class before they got any kind of pet. (laughs) So do I. You know, the the numbers, yeah, yeah. the numbers of of, uh, pet parrots and other animals um, in this country that that are unwanted is staggering. And if you have these resources ahead of time, you could be prepared for things Mm -hmm. like screaming and chewing and and biting, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you have a method that, that you're promoting that helps parrot owners deal with some of the difficult behaviors 
and and we were talking about this earlier. You use positive reinforcement mm-hmm. to teach parrots. That's right. How to behave well. Yeah. Can you give me some examples? Sure. Um, positive reinforcement basically is based on the premise of a behavior that is rewarded is most apt to be repeated. And that's true not only for parrots, but also for cats, dogs, people, um, basically any living species. Right. Uh, So if we want a bird to step up appropriately, and what we would consider appropriately is step up on our hand without showing any aggression, we want to reward that behavior um, so that you would either provide the bird with a head scratch, a small food treat, or something else that it perceives as a reward for doing the behavior the way you would like them to. Alrighty. Now, early on, when I had Petey, I found that he didn't like to go back into his cage at night because I'd always put him in his cage at night and cover him up to mm-hmm. keep him warm and safe and comfy. But but he didn't always look at it that he, way. No, he was like a little kid. I don't want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, we, we were able to get past that, but I'm sure there was probably an easier way to deal with it. And I'm wondering... Do you have any advice on on how to get a parrot to go back into the cage? I do, actually. What we've done with with our yellow-naped Amazon that we adopted from Peace um, over seven years ago now, as well as the two other birds that we foster, is when we get their their cages or their houses, as we call them, ready for bed, uh, you know, change, put the clean papers in, wipe up any food spills and mess and so forth, they get their fresh pellets and maybe a, uh, some other food treat uh, with the macaw we're fostering, that's when I put fresh nuts in his cage so that they have a positive reinforcer for going in the cage. Okay. It's fun for them. Okay. But they would have to be food-motivated, though, to be able to use that kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. How about if you have a bird that's not really food, uh, isn't really motivated by food? Most birds are to some degree. You just have to figure out what that motivator is. Okay. Um, and some birds, yes, are more, some are less motivated by food. Amazons love to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really easy for us. Uh-huh. Um, but once you've identified a, a, a food treat that is motivating for your bird, then you use that as a treat only. You okay. don't ever put that in their cage as just kind of a usual food item. Oh, all right. So you reserve it for training purposes. Oh, Okay. And now that we're talking about food, let's talk about diet. What kind of diet does a parrot need to be healthy and live a long life? To be healthy and live a long life, they need a good variety just like we do. It is, you know, one of the most common myths um, among people who have or think about getting parrots is, you know, throw a few seeds in the cage and call it a day and and you're done. Um, Doing that will shorten the bird's life by about 50%. Oh, because wow. uh, seeds, whether you get a fancy, you know, mix from So and Joe Schmo's uh, parrot farm or or sunflower seeds from the uh, store down the street, seeds are poor quality protein. They have no vitamin A, very very little calcium, which birds need just like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need fruits and vegetables, vegetables particularly like us. Mm-hmm. Um, they need access to good quality protein, whether that's from a commercially formulated bird pellet um, that you teach them how to eat because they may not know it's food until you show them. Um, in fact, bird pellets don't taste that bad. <laughs> uh, role so, modeling behavior really does work. So, so you eat a few of the pellets yourself. Mm-hmm. And, okay. mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them are actually pretty good. Ah, fruity. <laughs> um, we, do, we do, seriously, we do encourage people to use, hopefully the ideal is an uncolored 
no food dyes or colors um, for their birds. Food feed, that is a staple, appropriate bird palette, as well as vegetables, some fruit if it's a high active bird. Mm-hmm. Um, and for macaws and other birds that have higher fatty acid needs, then it is appropriate to give them some nuts each day. Okay. Um, there was actually an article in, in Bird Talk a few months ago that outlined for different species of macaws what their needs are. Oh, all right. Um, and, you know, we do certainly encourage our, our members and other people that we interact with to always, always be learning, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Now, we were discussing before the show as well the the sad statistic that people who adopt parrots don't keep them very long. How long, on average, does a parrot stay in a home? The average in this country is only five to eight years, and yeah. that's really sad. Because for, how long do they live? Yeah, for parrots, depending on the species, they'll live 30 to 70 or more years. Oh. And they do strong, very form bonds with their flock members, and of course in the companion setting, that's us. Right. Uh, so they grieve when they lose somebody or are moved into a different home. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a big transition for them. You know, many of them can do it successfully, but it's not an easy transition for them. And if it's really difficult for them, uh, they can start exhibiting some destructive behavior. Yes, absolutely. Too. Feather destruction, self-mutilation, biting, yeah. screaming are the most common uh, behavior problems that we see. If you have a a bird that has been plucking its feathers for a while, will the feathers ever grow back? Um, It depends uh, on how long they've been doing it and and what exactly they've been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Some birds will actually just shred their feathers, and others will actually pull them out. Um, uh, So it it depends on what, and if they've been chronically pulling them out from the shaft, from the root, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, that eventually will damage the follicle and the feather won't grow back. Okay. Uh, the other difficulty is, is it becomes a habit. You know, some birds will start plucking in response to a physical problem, an infection of some sort, or um, a big disruption or stress in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they are doing it for a while, it becomes a habit, much like a, a person chewing their fingernails. Okay. Well, fortunately, Petey's never been a feather plucker, which I'm very happy about. He, he seems like a pretty happy bird, but I do have this question for you. He doesn't seem to take many baths, and so being a, a white bird, he tends to um, to always look a little bit off-white. <laughs> <laughs> How can I encourage him to take some baths? Bathing is actually really helpful for keeping their feathers in good, good quality. Um, parrots in the wild get two or three showers a day whether they want it or not, mm-hmm. just because of living in the rainforest. Right. Um, so I would encourage you to use different methods to bathe your bird. You might try misting outside. You might try in the shower, either a direct spray or turn the shower head up so that it comes down on him more like rain. Okay. Um, some birds like to do a shallow pan, like a bird bath idea, and that mm-hmm. you can do, depending on the size of the bird, either in the kitchen sink, assuming it's clean, uh-huh. um, or in the bathtub. Uh, so there's many ways to, to bat, bathe a parrot. Okay. And, and, of course, when they look like they're even halfway enjoying it, give them a, throw them a party, you know, really praise them <laughs> so that they, they understand that, oh, maybe this is fun. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about my cockatoo is he'll put his head into the water and he'll shake it all around and then he thinks his whole body is wet. A lot of birds do that. And so he'll shake his tail and his wings mm-hmm. and they're dry as a bone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then he thinks he's done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we do try and take him into the shower but he hates that. Mm-hmm. He gets so mad when we do that. <laughs> 
So you just you just have to be the parent then, and you get to get wet whether you want to or not. Well, you know, you really don't want to force him. Uh-huh. Um, but if you make it worth his while, you know, maybe that's the time where you could give him some extra head scratches every time he gets hit with a little bit of water. Okay. So that he learns to associate positive with, with the experience of getting wet. Okay, okay. That's a great idea. Yeah. Now, you have so many wonderful workshops at your organization. Where do you normally hold the workshops? Uh, we're based in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, our se- monthly seminars are held at the Marina Village Conference Center, and our seminar schedule is on our website. We're also having our major educational event this year on July 31st. Barbara Heidenreich is an internationally renowned animal trainer, and we're so fortunate that she's able to come and do a full-day workshop with us uh, on July 31st. The registration information is on our homepage, again, at www.peac.org. Um, you can either mail in payment, fax it in, or use PayPal. And we're looking forward to a great turnout and a wonderful day of, of learning how to teach our birds to be better citizens. And it's it's so worth it, and it's so affordable, and I would recommend it to anybody who has a bird. And, and you have such other wonderful workshops, too. I'm, I'm always real excited to hear about your toy-making workshops, which I plan on attending eventually as soon as I have some free time. Yeah, we usually have a monthly seminar um, the toy making workshops in November, just in time for the holidays, and the information again is on the website. Very good, Barbara. I'm also pleased when you could come up and see us, and you have such a wealth of information to share. Thanks, Marie. And I, you know, I'm hoping that I know it's a long drive for you, but maybe in a few months after you forget how long it takes to get here, you'll come back again. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Marie. Okay. We need to take a quick break now, but don't go away. Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates is coming right up on the Pet Place on Retro 1260. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to welcome to our show Mary Cummins from Animal Advocates. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having me here today. I am so pleased that you are here today because so often I hear stories about people who have had encounters with wildlife and they think uh, opossums are going to come steal their children in the (laughs) middle of the night and coyotes are going to grab their cats who happen to be outdoors and, you know, stories like that. So I would love for you to give our listeners some, some tips on living safely with urban wildlife and kind of dispel some of the myths about them. Well, a lot of people think that if you're in Los Angeles, it's a city, there's not going to be wildlife here, so they don't expect them. So sometimes they'll see wild animals and they'll say, hey, we've got to get rid of it. Um, and then sometimes you're just walking at night, you'll see like a raccoon or an opossum. Some people get a little bit frightened, but there really is not much to worry about. As long as you don't, say, corner a raccoon, they just want to run away from you. They don't want to harm you. They just want to get away. They their business. Mm-hmm. That's right. What are some tips that people can do to make their homes less attractive to wildlife? The most important thing is not to um, attract the wildlife. You don't want to provide the three essential things, which is food, water, and shelter. Okay. So if you don't want wildlife in your backyard, don't leave cat food out. Um, don't leave water out for the pets. Uh, lock your garbage bins or else you'll get opossums and raccoons in there. Mm-hmm. And pick up dropped fruit. Otherwise, you'll also get um, skunks and even coyotes would be attracted to that. Okay. And the cool thing about 
Opossums in neighborhoods, is, they're actually kind of like nature's little cleanup crew. They are. They're definitely nature's gardeners. They're a wonderful thing to have in your backyard because they eat roaches, they eat slugs, they love roaches. Wow. And they eat, um, they can sometimes eat baby mice and baby rats. Okay. They eat dropped fruit, and they'll eat, um, if there's a dead animal, they'll eat that too. Yeah, so so they are our sanitation crew, and we don't even have to pay them. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very, very green. Okay. But you don't want to keep these guys as pets. No, um, it wouldn't. It's not legal to keep wildlife as pets, of mm-hmm. course. But it wouldn't be a good idea because they are wild animals, and they're not like tame like domestic dogs and cats. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, a lot of people are concerned about rabies. What kind of risk really is involved with an opossum having rabies? Well, opossums are probably the least likely animal to have rabies. Um, the rabies vector species in our area, the most common one is the bat, and it seems to be around Long Beach. And then I personally think they're coming into the ports. And then after that, it would be the, the skunk mm-hmm. in the nor- up in Northern California and the raccoon in Northern California. Okay. Those are the most likely now, raccoons tend to carry a parasite that is potentially dangerous for yes. people. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It's it's the roundworm parasite. Okay. And um, if you were to ingest the eggs of a roundworm, um, it, you could um, potentially go blind. You could even die from it. But the risk is extremely, extremely low. The only way you're really going to contact it is if you eat fresh raccoon poop. <laughs> and who is going to do that? Little kids crawling around on your yard. On their hands and knees, yes. and then they put their hands in Especially their mouth. Especially little babies that are cr- that are crawling. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, that have been infected by the roundworm. Okay, so you clean up, you make sure mm-hmm. your kids wash your hands, and you don't put your little ones down on the ground. Yeah, don't <laughs> let the baby crawl on the lawn. Okay, it's especially if you know thing. you've got raccoons around, and chances exactly. are you probably do. <laughs> In L.A., we have a wide variety of wildlife. People are amazed when they see skunks in the city, a coyote mm-hmm. in downtown L.A., but we have them. That's right, which is another reason why you should not have your cats be outdoor pets. Yes. Um, not only that, but your cat's more likely to be killed by a dog than a coyote. Okay. And then your your cat's more likely to be hit by a car than mm-hmm. to be eaten by a dog or a coyote. There are many dangerous things out there, and it's always safer to have your cat indoors fewer veterinary bills, and they'll live a lot longer. What I think, though, about um, cats and coyotes is, you know, we put out dog food in big giant bowls outside, and the coyotes go, oh, cool, I'm going to have a little meal. And then we put out our trash, and we don't keep it securely covered, and the coyotes go, hey, this is great. The humans are giving me so much. Mm. And, you know, all of a sudden, we put our big old fat lazy house cat out the door, and the coyote goes, hmm, well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The, in the coyote's mind, it thinks it's its birthday. Oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. And um, they're more likely to eat your domestic pet because it's e- easier to catch than their real um, sure. prey, which is ground squirrels and bunnies. That makes mm-hmm. up 85% of their diet. So if you keep your kitties indoors, they're going to be safe from everything, cars, dogs, wildlife, diseases, other cats, you name it. Exactly. And if you love your pet, that's what you should be doing. Yes, small dogs too. Small dogs too, I know. Well, you know, so many people leave their dogs just out in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And from what I've gathered, a fence really doesn't keep a coyote out. Um, coyotes, they can they can climb trees a little bit. They can um, jump six foot fences. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely amazing in their ability to leap. You either need an, an eight foot fence, or else you need a six foot fence with like a coyote roller on the top. Okay. 
So it's best to make your dogs indoor pets, too, and then take them out for walks. On, on a leash. leash. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just if you know you're in a coyote area, and like we've talked about, most areas do have wildlife, you know, just use some common sense yeah. precautions. Now, what if you find an injured wild animal and you want to help? Uh, what should you do? Should you go out and try and wrap it up in a towel and call you? What's the best way? Yeah, I guess it depends upon the animal. If you find um, an ill um, or injured wild animal that's, let's say it's a raccoon or a bobcat or coyote, immediately call a wildlife rehabilitator and have okay, them so pick it up. Okay, so you don't want to try and handle it yourself? Not the larger ones. Okay. I, it wouldn't be a good idea. But if you were to find, let's say, um, an injured little baby squirrel, I would just put on some thick leather gloves just to be safe. I've never been bitten by a baby squirrel. <laughs> and then gently pick it up and put it into a box or a carrier and then call the rehabilitator. Okay. Now, a lot of people this time of year are also telling me stories about mallard ducks that are ending up in their swimming pools and uh, being followed by a trail of babies. What do you say to those folks? It's that time of year. It's baby season for for mammals and for birds. And I've been getting a lot of duck calls. And um, the the best thing is just to um, leave them alone, but make sure there's a way for them to get out of your yard. And the pool, too. Yes. What can you put in the pool to help the little ducklings get out? Because I know that they can't mm -hmm. hop from the water onto the ledge unless they have something that they could crawl on. Some people put um, a little board down next to where the steps are. Okay. Or maybe put some more bricks where the steps are so they can easily be able to get out. Okay. And uh, there's actually some cool little floaty things that you can get that will help your dog, but they also help ducks oh, and ducklings, what, too. What's I, it called? I can't remember the name of the product, mm -hmm. but it's it's a little pool safety thing for people who oh. have dogs who, who may accidentally end up Well, that's a, a great idea. And yeah. at the very least, you know, sometimes um, squirrels will bend over to get a drink and fall in, and if you could just, like, tie a towel or something or even just a rope to the um Something that the they can get their claws yeah, anything. into. Yeah, just so they can climb out, because otherwise they'll, and skunks, too, can end up in the pool. So oh, a little wow. ramp for them to get out is good. Okay, that's great advice. Yes. Let's talk about some of the larger wild animals. Occasionally we hear about bobcats and mountain lions uh, roaming around some of the more foothill-type neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the precautions people should take? What should they look out for? What should they do if they spot one of these guys? Well, a bobcat, that's not going to be a threat. Mm -hmm. They are very, very wild, and they'll be running away from you. A mountain lion is another thing. We have only a few mountain lions in the area. Uh, some of them are collared. But the most important thing is if you were to see a mountain lion, um, well, most important is don't go hiking by yourself. Okay. If you're there with two people, they're less likely to attack. If you see one, try to look as big as you can. Put your arms over your head, yell, scream, throw rocks at them. Okay. And you want them to, to leave you alone. But the most important thing is prevention and always hike with someone else if you're up in the hills. Now, if you have kids and you're all hiking as a big group, you don't want any of your kids to run, run away because they're basically breaking away from the pack. Yeah, exactly. And that's the type of animal that a mountain lion would look for, the one who broke away from the herd. They would prefer the smaller animal. And uh, another thing is they will attack from behind. Oh. And that's because um, their the main food is deer. Okay. And if a deer, if they were to attack the deer from the front, they could get um, horns. Okay. So they like to get the deer or anything from the back, break its neck instantly. Okay. So that's why you want to always face it. Don't run away. That gets its predator, its prey instinct going, and it will run after you. So stand, look big, yell, scream, throw rocks. Don't yeah, run away. Yeah, the little kid, put your kid on your shoulders yes. too. Okay. Yeah, don't show your back. Okay. That's great advice. 
And let's talk also now about rattlesnakes. Since we're out hiking and we got our kids and maybe even our dog, um, what are some precautions with respect to uh, rattlesnakes? Well, it is rattlesnake season. People have been spotting them hiking already. And the most important thing is to have your dog on a leash because your dog doesn't understand what it is. It wants to investigate. It wants to bark, and then it'll, it'll probably be, be bitten. Okay. And then with your kids, keep them close. Tell them, you know, if, if you see a snake, leave it alone. Just walk away from it. Okay. So they're not going to come chasing after you. Generally, when you find them, you're hiking and it's sunny out. They're just laying out in the middle of the pathway trying to warm up. Okay, so give them a wide berth and you'll yes. be okay. Yes, exactly. And if you see anyone around you, tell them, watch out for the rattlesnake, it's right here. Some people don't see it. They don't have the best vision. They think it's a stick in the road, mm-hmm. and then that's when they might accidentally be bitten. Okay, and also, young men seem to be very, very prone to getting bitten by <laughs> rattlesnakes, and I think it's because there's a little too much beer drinking going on mm-hmm. and saying, hey, dude, try and pick it up. Yeah, poke it with a stick. <laughs> So don't do that. <laughs> a lot of accidents happen that way. Yeah, yeah, accidents. That's mm-hmm. just being really nice, Mary. <laughs> okay, I know that uh, we've covered a lot of topics and there's so much more, but I'm going to have to let you go. So let's tell folks what your website is in case they want to ask you more questions. The website is www.animaladvocates.us. Okay, and one more time in case somebody was slow to grab on a pen. It's www.animaladvocates.us. .us. Search um, Animal Advocates Los Angeles. You'll find us. Very good. Mary, I'm so pleased you were able to come talk to us today about urban wildlife, and I wish you all the best with everything you do. Thank you. Same to you. It's time now for our last break of the morning, but when we return, we've got Pet Place news and events, so please stay tuned to the Pet Place radio show here on Retro 1260. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Mark your calendar for Saturday, June 26th for the 16th Annual Dog Walk. That's D-A-W-G Walk. Pet Fair and Adoption Event. From 7 a.m. to noon, head on over to the Village Green at the Norman P. Murray Community and Senior Center in Mission Viejo and participate in a fun walk and fair to benefit homeless pets. For more information, visit www.dawg.org. And also check out our newly renovated website at www.petplace.org and drop us a line and tell us what topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on Retro 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.